okay. Good afternoon. Um, my name is Joshua Shale, and I'm a management consultant with uh, GCE Strategic Consulting. And uh, welcome to part two of four on our discussion about accountabilities. And today we're going to talk about uh, you can't manage what you can't measure. Uh, so we're going to go over a variety of ways to uh, to measure some accountabilities, how to set an environment for doing that, and then some practical tips on how to do that, as well as some uh, discussion and dialogue uh, interspersed. So I hope that it provides uh, it proves useful and helpful to the audience. Awesome. So we're going to go over a few things. The first is really talking about creating an environment for accountability. Uh, accountability doesn't happen in a vacuum. There are certain things that we can do to create uh, the time and the place and the space where we can have more accountability within our organizations. Um, we're talking, uh, we'll talk about setting the expectations and really measuring the results. And there is a variety of tools that we'll go through on how to, how to go and do that. And then the final part, uh, we'll be talking about numbers and why we use numbers and why they're really effective uh, for accountability. So why don't we get underway and start uh, with our first section, which is about the environment. So, <clears throat> One of the things that we want to do when we're creating uh, the, the, the proper environment is we really need transparency. And um, what that means is everybody should be able to see what other people are doing so that we can really get a sense of an understanding of what one person's accountabilities are and how that is helping the rest of the, and the rest of the team to be successful. So a good quote, is you know sunlight is said to be the best disinfectant. So when we have a, a toxic culture, when we have some people that are contributing, other people that are not, uh, when we have an environment where people don't really understand what the other, other members of the team are doing or why they do what they're doing, there's too much shadow. So the idea of sunlight being the best disinfectant if we can have a lot of light on the situation and everybody is very clearly able to see what they are doing, what they, why what they do uh, matters to the rest of the company and what the people around them do, and they have a real understanding of that, that is really creating an environment where we can have some really, really uh, beneficial um, uh, accountability. And so that environment, has to have that clarity. We have to be able to see clearly what it is that people are doing. We have to really be able to see uh, what their measures are. And then we have to equally understand what is expected of them. So, and we'll get into that a good bit, but that idea of clarity and expectations. And uh, it's really important for us as business leaders to, to create that whole environment where there is that, uh, that clarity, there is that sunlight as it were, and we can create very clear expectations. So I'm gonna pause here and uh, Ken, tell me about some of your thoughts on some aspects uh, or some markers that make for a really uh, great environment for accountability. Um, when you say markers, do you mean just signals or things that I'm seeing that, uh, that show that there is accountability? Is that correct? Or, or that there's an environment. So if you're walking into a new into a new uh, into a new client office and you look around, what are some of the things that you see that make you think, aha, huh, this is a healthy, a good environment for having accountability? Yeah, I mean, boy, huh, boy, that's a that's a great question. Um, so I think one of those is just in in you know the dialogue when things pop up and when, when problems pop up, it's clear on where the ownership lies, right? And without ambigu ambiguity, ambiguity, so hard, hard to say today, uh, because, you know, sometimes you'll have environments where something to pop up, uh, you know, actually just recently had, had, had something pop up where somebody's like, well, we need a new van, who owns that? I thought so-and-so was working that. Well, I thought the other guy was working that, you know, and where is the ownership and the accountability? So, those things are few and far between. Um, and then I, I, you know, the other thing is, is I think just generally hitting the outcomes and hitting the results and then anticipated results. 
um, and due to the transparency. So ho hopefully that's headed down the right track, Joshua, and, and, and what you're looking for. Yeah, no, it's, it's I, 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 I like that quite a bit. You know, what, what are the ones that, that I always like to see is as I like to see screens around the office that are that are showing results. It could be like real-time results on number of sales calls, number of transactions, um, you know, whatever it happens to be, but, but having those out front and center so right. that uh, when people see them, like there's no hiding it, people see them and they can really see, like the marketing team can say, ah, we, we are driving traffic. We're, we're getting enough marketing qualified leads and I can see the result of that by looking at this sales board to see what's happening. Or it could be, uh, you know, in a software platform, it could be number of concurrent users that are on the platform at one time that really lets the, you know, the product owner and right to and the QA person and, and everybody in between to say, look, we're, we're doing it, we're hitting it, we're scaling this. So right. that, that's one of the things that I see in environments when you, you see some of those really clear markers that of what's going on and it gives people something to rally around and, uh, and, and, to, and to really think about. So, uh, you know, Ken, in some of the work that, that you've done, uh, what are some of the things you've seen uh, your clients do uh, which help to build or support those environments? Um, having a quarterly discussion of some sort, you know, with the entire group, the entire company and walking through a, a key departments and what some of the goals were of the department, uh, how the department actually did. So, for example, uh, sales, marketing, finance, right? So th those are some things. And I'm sorry, the question was, ask it one more time, please. It, it's 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 like, what are some of the ways that you've seen people build or 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 create or support those types of environments? Yeah. So I, I like that idea of of that that quarterly meeting. Hey, this is what we're going to do. This is what we did. It's open for everybody to see. Nothing hidden. Right, right. Or, or even just, you know, the, a monthly newsletter as well, going, you know, a message from the CEO articulating the breakdown and some of the key accomplishments across the organization and what's going on in, this, in the business as well. Yeah, I, I, I find one that, that's, that can be really small and, and almost subtle, but it's really, really important. And, and, that's, when, and that's when the senior leadership uh, when they're interacting with people, they create the time and the space for anybody to ask questions, right, and or make suggestions. Uh, you know, it's it's amazing. Somebody who's doing something we may have in our minds, oh, this is the way to do this role, but sometimes that that informal conversation where they come up with, they begin with, I had an idea to, or maybe a better way to having having that time and that space. And, uh, you know, it doesn't mean you have to have a bunch of plant life in your office or anything like that, but just just having that that environment where it's okay for somebody to go and ask questions or make suggestions. And then also, quite frankly, uh, an environment where people don't feel ashamed or, uh, or, or fearful of making a mistake. Uh, you know, if nobody... If nobody, if, if you're in, if you're, if you're in, if you're playing baseball, if you never swing the bat, you're never, you might get on base from time to time. And that's either because you walk or you get plunked, but you know, you got to let people swing away sometimes and creating that environment where it's okay. Um, but, you know, obviously keeping between the lines, but it's okay to, to make an attempt and to miss. I think, it, I think it'd be really important. So let's talk a little bit about how we're going to go and measure some things. So we're going to get a little bit of alphabet soup here. And so let's start with KPIs, key performance indicators. Um, a KPI is a really powerful thing because uh, it is an indicator of not only how that individual is performing in their role, but also how the rest of their department and then indeed the rest of the company is going to perform because of the work and efforts of this person. So a key, a KPI, that key performance indicator is a great way of holding accountability and it's a great predictor of future success. One of the main things that we're going to, and we'll go into KPIs in, in more depth in a little bit, 
But one of the, the things that's really key about that is that it needs to be weekly. Uh, KPIs are short periods. Uh, what we want to do is we want to be able to win the week. We know if we win the week, we hit all of our KPIs. Now we're set up to win the month, win the quarter, win the year. But it all starts with that, that weekly bit of what are my, my indicators of success? What are the, 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 the real ways that we can indicate that we are performing and performing at a high level? Then we have OKRs, objectives and key results. And they are a little bit different because when we're looking at OKRs, we're looking at things that are quarterly or beyond that. Um, people function very well in sort of 90 day uh, sprints, if you will. So 90 days blocks of time. And so while the KPI is that weekly, this is what we need to do week in, week out. Objectives and key results are more for those more aligned and akin to a project related, uh, related uh, measure. And we want to make sure that we define our projects, we define what that deliverable, what that finish line looks like. We want to measure ourselves as we are uh, going, going, down, uh, going down that path. So one of the things about KPIs and OKRs, you remember in our last conversation, we talked about that balance between authority and responsibility. We always want to keep that balance in mind when we're looking at KPIs and OKRs. So, you know, if, if we have a, a, a junior person in marketing, um, they may not be the KPI on uh, total number of marketing qualified leads if we have multiple lead funnels and multiple lead sources, uh, sluices. Maybe their KPI is more on social media engagement. So because of we have that authority responsibility, we want to have those measures accretive to that. And same with OKRs. Uh, you know, if we we don't want to have the uh, we don't want to have our CTO have their OKRs be on something really trite and mundane, like um, you know we're going to have updated uh, QA scripts. Uh, it's just that's not fitting for the level of authority and responsibility for that person. So again, I want to reintroduce that theme of balancing out authority and responsibility. So that's. Um, so that's really uh, helpful for for, um, for for you know for KPIs and OKRs. And the last thing is, we always want to make our KPIs and our OKRs really accretive to our goals. So um, you know we'll talk more about KPIs, what good ones and bad ones. But it really has to be we have to be driving towards something because remember we're measuring something, we're measuring uh, accountability. And so we want to have people accountable for something which is going to help us be a better company, to be more profitable, to, 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 to deliver better service or outcomes to our clients, to, to better support our, our people and our, and our teams. So making sure that those KPIs and OKRs are um, creative. Um, why don't we save the dialogue till we get into the nitty gritty of some of these things. So, Let's talk a little bit about KPIs. And there are a few things about them. Uh, we already talked about them being weekly. So once a week, we're going to have this list of, of, uh, of numbers. We'll talk about numbers later. We're gonna have this list of numbers which really indicate, is my performance what it needs to be? Am I on track, am I off track? Um, am I hitting the post for what's, for what's expected of me? The next thing about KPIs is they really need to be activity-based. They need to be things that I am doing uh, and that I have the ability to drive the performance of that KPI. So um, activity is, is really important. Passive things, aren't as good. It needs to be something where I put in effort and I can achieve a result. Or we assign a KPI to somebody where, where we can measure their results because we can measure the amount of effort that they're putting in and the amount of success that they're having in that activity. Another piece is it needs to be easily measured. Uh, you know, it's, it's 2023 uh, now and we have dashboards 
and reports and figures all over the place. So we want to make sure that our KPIs are numbers we can quickly grab off of a dashboard or off of a report. Where this goes bad is if we have to do uh, an extensive amount of analysis, we have to do uh, some algebra, we have to do some partial differential equations in order to figure out what our, what our KPI number is, we're doing it wrong. It's gotta be something which is really, really super simple. We can grab it. It's reporting of a number. It's not an in-depth homework assignment. Really important. The next is has a target. Uh, you know, if we have a target of expectation, that lets us know our, 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 did it, our, our weekly activity, is it, are, we, are we hitting the post? Are we doing the right thing? Are we, are we getting the result that we, that we require? And the funny thing about targets is they, will, they, will, they can change over time and that's okay. That's okay, but what we need to see is each week, are we being successful? So it, we really want to make it um, not a, a, you know, a, a really deep understanding of why, but it's just, did we get it? Did we not get it? And if we don't get it, then we can go and start taking a look in. If we're easily hitting our KPIs, then maybe, then maybe the, the target isn't right. So we need to look at that. And then the last thing we really want to talk about is, is this KPI a leading indicator which helps us to know what's going to happen in the future. Um, the corollary to knowing what's going to happen in the future is knowing the bad things that may be laying in, in wait for us. So we always wanna make sure that that KPI is gonna be telling something, uh, giving us an understanding of what's going to happen. If it's, if it's predicting a bad thing, we wanna get ahead of it. If it's predicting something where things are gonna be looking really good, Maybe we need to get in front of it with more staffing or more resource being deployed. But we always wanna make sure that these numbers that we're looking at, these KPIs are a leading indicator. So Joshua, do you recommend never really utilizing lagging indicators with that or is there a place for lagging as well? There is definitely a place for lagging, but you know, just for getting out of the gates, um, we, we want, we're going to, we're going to keep this as the, as, as five, these, these five rules is a little bit easier. Um, there is a time and a place for lagging indicators. I, I would put that more in, in accountabilities, uh, 102, uh, yeah. whereas this is sort of the beginning. There's yeah. a lot of benefit to them, but I really want us to start thinking for, for today's purposes about, Hey, I need to use this in order to be able to see into the future. Yeah. So. And one man's lagging indicator can be another man's leading indicator, right? So, absolutely. You know, close sales or close business. I think most people would do that. Oh, it's a lagging. It's already done. But finance could look at that. That's a leading indicator to cash flow, right? So, yeah. Or if it's, you know, if we're doing project based work, hooray, we closed three new projects this week. That may be lagging for the, for the, for the rev, for the sales team, the closing team. But boy, that project execution team, they may, they may need more resource. And to know that now, now is probably the last, you know, it, it, it's, a, it's, a good, it's a good time and a place. So Ken, to open up a little bit of dialogue, can you give me an example of a good KPI or a particularly bad KPI? Oh, I lost you. I lost your... your there you go. Okay. Sorry. Uh, Port of my microphone unplugged there temporarily. But I, I think it really depends. It depends on, you know, the, the, the department specifically, right? So, um, but, you know, one good leading indicator ultimately could be, um, let's just say spend with AdWords, right? If we know that AdWords spend equals, right, a certain amount of MQ, uh, uh, MQLs, it turns into a sales qualified lead, and then you know your ASP, and you know your close rate, and you know how long it, it stays in the pipeline, and then you know what happens when it hits operations to whatever, deliver services, and then you understand, you know, invoicing and everything, you know, that that could be a good leading indicator. So I think it's at least it's tough for me to answer because there's a lot more data that I would need or or information I would need to you know figure that out. 
Um, but that could be a good one anyways. Yeah. I'll, I'll tell you one of my, my pet bad KPIs. Uh, and, and I, and I see this, I see this often, uh, and it's a and it's a sales KPI and it's, Hey, we, we need prospecting. So everybody 50 prospecting emails every week. Yeah. That, that, that is, I mean, yes, it's weekly. Yes. It's activity based. Yes. It's easily measured. Yes. It has a target. It's not a leading indicator of anything because anybody can go to zoom info or, or somewhere like that, download a list of, of emails. It's activity. Have, have really, have really terrible execution on it. And Hey, look, I, I, I hit 110%. I, I put out 55 instead of 50. Look at me, but actually they've eroded the brand and if they've taken steps backwards. Um, right. Another KPIs can be, can be a little bit of a challenge in, uh, in, in finance and in accounting, but one that I particularly like, it's both a leading and a lagging uh, indicator is, is the cash plan done? Like did the cash plan get done on time? Right. Reason I like that is you have to have all of your journal, have your bookkeeping done. You have to have your AR and AP, and your, I mean, your AR all figured out. And then when you have that, then you can sketch your cash plan. Is it done? Yes, it is. Okay, now the rest of the company can begin to function. We can figure out what we're going to be doing for the next week and month. Right. So that's a really nice one because it can be given that we want weekly KPIs and finance and accounting work so much on a monthly. Having that, hey, is the cash plan done? Uh, uh, that that can be a that can be a really good that can be a really good KPI. Yeah. Um, so can uh, another thing that's really valuable about KPIs we haven't really talked about is uh, how they can be used to diagnose a problem and to get ahead of it. So um, have you ever? Can you come up with a with an example of where you've seen a KPI begin to go to begin to go off, and then we uh, were able to get ahead of that and fix it before it became truly a problem. I can't think of something exactly. Uh, nothing's coming to mind. However, uh, generally, like if you have something tied to, say, operations and capacity planning, and something from a sales perspective is declining would would be uh you know a good leading indicator and i'm just making stuff up right yeah. but if we know that you know our sales team generates let's say we own a landscaping company and our, sa our sales team generally ge generates you know 10 proposals a week and out of those 10 five close and that's what we need to maintain our capacity and we're booked you know two months out Right. And uh, and then suddenly that goes from 10 to five and 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 everything. And then obviously our close is going to decline unless we increase that drastically, which which means that, you know, after we get through, um, you know, our, our cycle of work two months from now, um, we're going to have excess capacity or the reverse is true. Right. If, if, you know, if we are doing 10 proposals and then suddenly, and I see, I see this happen more, to be quite honest, where suddenly it turns into 20 or 30 or 40 and everybody's excited about all the extra work, but then we forget what it's going to take to actually uh, deliver on that work. And, and we don't, we don't have the recruiting pipeline or, or the engine going there to basically keep up with the uh, and, and stay equal or ahead of capacity. So those are a couple of things that come to mind for me for, uh, in particularly. Yeah, I, I had a really interesting one recently <clears throat> with a client. Okay. A client transacts primarily through their website. It's, it's really about, um, it's not too much, it's not an e-commerce platform, but the, the transaction, the real call to action is book a call with our sales. Right. And, and, and we're driving that, we're driving that. Well, there was a change to the Google algorithm, and we watched that that uh, organic search just just dropped. It dropped yeah. by about thirty percent overnight. Yeah, so just like that. Yeah, we saw that and said, "Okay, not good. We got to turn up the gas on the socials," and that we increased the spend there, and so that began to drive more traffic, not just organically to the site for all that discovery, but specifically to that book page, and we did it fast enough that uh, when you take a look at the organic search numbers, they went down, but our, because we acted that, that uh, booked calls metric 
yeah. stayed the same because yeah. we were able to get ahead of it. And so, you know, we saw it and said, uh oh, this is an issue. We're not going to write an email to Google to have them undo the algorithm. Uh, and it's going to take SEO a little bit. It's going to take a while. So we have to step in and do something in order to, to fix it. So yeah. again, you know, that was, you know, weekly, easily measured, had a target. And we know it's leading indicators. We saw that it went, that it was, that it, that it changed. We knew how to move forward. Yep. Yep. That's a so, good one. Yeah. So let's talk a little bit about uh, OKRs. Um, here and so the first thing is okrs are monthly quarterly or longer so they're they're not they're not um they're not uh, a week a weekly um event they are longer so we're going to have more of a uh, of a time period it's going to be a little bit more complex and it may uh so we're so our measure our tools for understanding them and measuring them being weekly activity based easily measured et cetera et cetera are not going to necessarily apply here uh so we do this because um it for bigger things um it takes a little bit of time for them to be completed so we're going to need to have that longer time span so in order to understand how we are doing on an OKR, we really want to look and uh, any kind of project management tool, especially the Gantt chart, is going to help us because we're going to need to take that total project, break it into component pieces or phases or what have, what have you, and then plan in order to be done by uh, June 30, arbitrary date, I know I have to have these this set of things done by April 15 and this done by May 15. So we're going to build out this ability to look at it, to take this big project, break it into component pieces, and then we report upon our, pro our progress by taking a look at a Gantt chart is a very useful way to do it. But that helps us to know, are we, are we on course and speed to, 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 to deliver when we're supposed to be delivering, or are we not on course and speed to deliver? really important hey if we see that we are consistently not on course we know we have to step in and maybe if we're lucky we could have some kpis that may help us maybe not but we know definitively that in order to uh to to get this done this project done in the 90 days or whatever the time period is we know we need to be there um one of the most important things i, I learned this years ago when i was young and i had a lot more hair and I was a project manager. Um, one of the things that when I was getting my, uh, my, my, my credential was this idea, and it's this. You have a 10-day long project. It's day three, and you are one day behind. Yeah. How long are you going to finish that project in? And of course, naturally, people say, well, it's going to take me 11 days because I'm only one day behind now, and I'll get there. And that's not the answer. The answer is if on day three, you're one day behind on a 10-day project, it's going to take you 13 or 14 days to finish that project because you don't magically just make up the time. So by having that project plan, having that Gantt chart, you can see that if you begin to start to start to get behind, to get to not to be on track, you know that you're going to really have to perform in order to get back ahead of that. Your acceleration curve has got to go up. So that's a really important feature. Another thing about measuring the results of our OKRs is we want to worry about what is getting delivered. Does it to get delivered on time per expectation according to the plan and meeting the goals? It's not how they went about doing it. So as business leaders, we have to resist our natural inclination to say, if I was doing that, I would do it in this way. So therefore, I'm going to tell the person who owns this OKR, stop, do it my way. It's, it's go, get it done according to what we need to get done and let them own the how. And, and we as business leaders help them to determine the what. Remember, it's that authority responsibility balance. If we give them the responsibility of delivering on that, and that OKR, we have to give them the authority to figure out how to do it. And our job as business leaders is to support them and to, and to, to help them with that. 
So, so Ken, uh, OKRs, we've all seen them in, in software. Have you seen them in any other places um, that, that, have, that have proved useful? So that, that's funny because actually when I was thinking, I was like, he's going to ask me some examples. I was thinking about software examples. That, that is the low-hanging fruit. So let's talk about that. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, uh, roadmaps, right? And, you know, keeping product on track for uh, uh, delivery and everything um, is, is a good one. Um, you know, let's see. Yeah, let's, let's talk about that. What, what, are, what are your thoughts? I'm trying to think of some others that would be good OKR leading indicators. I mean, you can always... So, so so yeah. soft, software is the natural one, and yeah. it's and it's because of agile methodology, and you know, in the sprint and all of that, and all of that good thing, where we have the series of sprints that are accretive to the ninety day, um, the, the ninety day uh, sort of period. But interestingly enough, um, I don't I don't I don't exactly understand the psychology around it, but but people have a natural tendency to about a ninety day window. Um, a week isn't long enough for people to have great, great success moving a project forward. A month is probably too short. A year is too abstract. But that 90 day is sort of is sort of a sweet spot of I know I have to execute day over day, week over week, and I can hit that 90 day post. Whereas if it's a year or a three year long plan, it's a little bit too abstract. So it naturally tends itself for a lot of uh, a, a lot of different types of, of projects. So when we take a look at what we're trying to achieve this year, that 90-day sprint is a really useful thing. Uh, and it also naturally fits into our, to our, to our reporting. And uh, you know, we always report quarterly numbers. It's a real natural to say, okay, the numbers came back, Let's begin our projects, let's work through them, and let's report on the success uh, of those projects at that end of that quarter. It's that natural stopping point. So it's really helpful to break that year down. Year's a long time, it's an abstract thing. We'll be another year older by the time we get done, but it breaks it down into some much more manageable pieces of time that are uh, long enough that we can get some, some, we can really move things forward, but short enough that it's that it's not an abstract concept of, of being of being pretty of being far, right? So I had talked about um, project management. Um, have you seen any tools which you find uh, helpful in in uh, for for managing you know these more project based these like no longer duration sprints of OKRs? So I love, I think it's one of the newer ones out there to be quite honest. And, and it's definitely one that got a ton of funding maybe a year or two years ago, but I think actually you you or one of your clients introduced it to me, but monday.com. <laughs> I like monday.com a great deal to be quite honest. Um, I've used Asana for whatever reason, I'm not a fan of Asana. I, I don't mm -hmm. know why, um, but you know, um, I, I've used lots of tools, as I'm sure you have as well. Um, I like a good old-fashioned Gantt chart as well that's just hard-coded. I don't know if any, sometimes I get overwhelmed with all the activity and the stuff in there, then maybe that's my age. <laughs> but, um, you know, but yeah, monday.com probably for me. Yeah, I, I, think, I think it's an interesting thing to think about because, you know, you want, you want to have the right tool for the job. And, uh, you know, Monday, Asana, a, a lot of these, are, they're, they're great tools. Uh, sometimes it's really useful to go and configure something your own. If you're using uh, Microsoft 365 or using the, the, the Google Productivity Suite, uh, you can go in and you can create some tools in there. Uh, and then, you know, quite frankly, sometimes, remember I was talking about monitors and screens, sometimes it's worth it just to have a, a Gantt chart that's done in Excel and done by coloring by you know by by coloring blocks in the uh, in the cells so that you can see it. So no product, no I mean no tool is perfect, and and no tool is 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 absolutely terrible. But really, 
be sure that you're using the right tools for, for it. One that, that everybody is facile with, everybody can use, and that really creates that visibility and, uh, and so that we can get that accountability. Gantt chart, you're either, you're either hitting the post or you're not, and there's no, there's no third direction. So it's, it's, re it's really good for that. Um, maybe we're showing our age, Ken. That we that we like the simpler ones, but uh, yeah, just a little secret. I'm going to be 32 this month, so oh well, you'll you'll, you'll love 32. It's it's a, it's a great year from what I can remember of it all those times ago. Uh, and so you know, what is age? Age is just is but a number. So numbers are also extremely powerful for accountability. Uh, so let's look at it and take take a, a, a sort of examine why numbers are the best measure and why they work the best. Our analysis is easy. <clears throat> We're really good at numbers. Uh, we, we are able to think in them. Um, we can go and take a look at, you know, is, is 10 proposals greater than, than nine? Yes, it is. We know that we have done better when we have that. So it really makes the analysis easy. If you want to get in there and you want to really do to get heavy into the analytics, that's fine. Um, and the reason that all happens is that numbers are purely quantitative. And uh, so, you know, if you if if the the KPI is number of proposals delivered and we've missed it, we missed we missed the KPI number. Now, the qualitative is oh, well, this happened and it was a short week and all, and that's all well and good, but the numbers tell the story. And it's you know, did did we go? Did we hit our measure or did we not? And we can see it because it's a number. And because of that, we either hit the number or we didn't hit the number. The why, it may very well be absolutely important, but the number just tells us that we, and it makes it a binary decision. Like, did we hit that number? Did we not hit that number? Um, and uh, and it, gets, it gets really valuable. We can talk all about uh, taking a look at averages over time. Um, it's very, very useful to take a look at uh, things like the velocity of change uh, uh, in your metrics over time. Um, never thought you'd use calculus again, did you? But you do. Um, yeah. So taking a look at, at the velocity, the change of that curve is very, very useful. But at the end of the day, being able to simply understand things and see whether you you we've hit our, our measure or we haven't is super useful. Now, now Ken, earlier I talked about um, uh, the cash plan. Is it done? Is it not done? Well, that's not a number, Shale. So, like, what what are you, what are you looking at? Yes or no can work. Green, yellow, red can work. And why is that? We can convert them into numbers. We can really readily convert those into numbers. So. It, there are certain things which are really hard to quantify. Um, and uh, um, I'll give you a good example. Uh, I had a client that was implementing um, some, some, a, a, better, uh, a better software platform, but they really didn't have their arms around how much of the, of the, of the, the, of the, the billable hours were being done by each one of the people according to, to client. So that utilization figure, they just didn't have the numbers yet. And so my metric for them was for that department, were you green, yellow, or red? Uh, and as, as we were beginning to build, we were able to convert it instead of a green, yellow, red to an actual number. But that green, yellow, red was really helpful because we could see that when we had a series of yellow and red weeks, we knew that there was going to be uh, some revenue challenges coming down the pike. Now, when we got to be able to see that we had 76% utilization, oh, that's not good. This is going to mean this down the pike. That's even better. But we were able to make do with green, yellow, red while we worked on that platform. And it, uh, and it, 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 it got much better. So let's take a pause here. And, and Ken, you know, with, with these numbers and with targets, tell me a little bit about how you how you think about and go about setting targets for our KPIs. I mean, look, it 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 comes with I mean having facts and data, right, and understanding things, right. So you know, 
my belief in targets, um, you got to set them up smart, right? Specifically attainable. Uh, I always forget the R. Uh, what realistic and time bound, right? So you got to set them up smart, but you also want to stretch people. But it comes with it comes with data and historicals, which some companies lack that, right? It comes with a little bit of gut and you know and and some research, right? So um, it's 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 really hard for me to give much more than that. I've, I've, I've been setting targets for literally decades, so I guess I'm not 32. Um, and but you need all those things, right? You need all those things. And then it's it's also allowing yourself, I mean, this is something to keep in mind, is be vulnerable in the dialogue that you have with folks when you're talking about them. So what does that mean? So I might have my assumptions based upon data and what's going on in the market and everything, but you know, I want to really have a conversation. Let's say it's a sales target. I want to have a conversation with, say, my operations person, my marketing person, my finance person. Person. I want everybody to poke holes into what I'm thinking and the, the direction I'm going. And I want to set the company up for success. Um, you know, and then your, we'll call it feet on the street or your ground level troops, uh, either sales or whatever it is. One key thing that I think a lot of owners fail to do is put some sort of buffer in place, right? And that's foreign to them. But if you go to a big company, right, there's a buffer, right? When when Oracle rolls their numbers out to the street, don't think that there's not a 50% above of what they gave their sales force, right? Uh, you know, when I used to run a large team at Oracle, I would have a number. And then my sales managers were always maybe eight to 10% above me. And then their sales team was always 10 to 15% above them, right? And you need that because if we just talk about sales only, we should expect that, you know, 60% of those folks will make, their, will make their number and the rest won't. And you're going to have people quit. And you're going to fire people. So you've got to make sure that you're actually setting the company up to, to achieve its objective. So that's very sales specific, but it really translates across any department. I mean, you know, um, you know, product services, um, support, but you, you've got to have that buffer so that the company can achieve its PL. Yeah. I, 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 I liked your, I liked your, your, I also liked your point about, about feel and intuition because it, it really, it really does come into play and, it, and it's, and the, the more you, more reps you've had under your belt, the more intuition you can develop. But I'll, I'll add in another aspect, which I think is really, really important. So we want to have our the KPIs for people, the measures for people. We want to have them accretive to success and building things forward. But when I'm implementing um, accountabilities and measures and, or KPIs or OKRs, whatever it happens to be, I always spend some time to work with the person who, who's going to own that. Because remember, it's that balance between authority and responsibility. I work with them and I really want them to own it and to get into the pocket. So it's it's not a gut, it's not a gut. It's not just, you know, hey, your KPI is to fog a mirror. Uh, like that's 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 not going to do it. And it's not something which is so so far out of their ability that it, it that it's that it's soul crushing. But you 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 want to you want to guide them and support them and get them into that place where it is right where right where they think they can go and then a little bit further yeah so that so that when they're a when because most people they give they they give up or they 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 begin to retreat way too early so if you give it to them it's just a little bit of a stretch they can amaze themselves by you know what when we started this i was worried about it i owned that number i was given the 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 authority to go and figure out how to hit it and now every time I hit it, I'm I'm proud of it. I own it. It's that's me. I get it done. And they have that ownership. So, you know, we always want to be very setting targets takes a little bit. You know, there's that bit of prior data, very important. There's a bit about intuition, very important. There's a bit about the buffer and, and dealing with reality, really important. But it's get get the person who owns that net number, that KPI, owns that OKR get them to truly feel that they own it. And then we now, as business leaders, step into the role of you're killing it, you're doing great, or 
I need to help you. Let's help you go and do and help you. What do we need to do in order to have you start hitting these measures? So setting those goals is really, really important. And then looking at them and, and, and using the numbers to go and do the measure. Yeah, you also need to be able to walk the employee through and justify it, right? Not that we have to actually sell it or we have to sell it some, but not that if they don't sign off on it and believe in it, I got to take that, I got to retract that too, because they do have to believe in it. But you have to actually walk them down that path so that they they believe that it is real and they understand it. If they don't believe that it's real and they don't understand it, it's going to make it difficult for them to execute against. Yeah, I, I, I can tell you a quick war story. Way back when I was first starting my career, I, I, I started out in sales and I was I was one of the two inside salespeople and we had a sales force of about 50 people, 48 of them were, were outside. And uh, we got our sales budgets. And I noticed two things about my sales budget right off, right off the bat. One was my number went up by 2.2 million and my territory went down by, by quite a bit. And um, I asked that, I asked you know, my, my boss and then some of the other folks said, how did, how did, how'd you come up with this? Well, corporate gave us this number, and we divided it up, and uh, so that's that that's that's what you that's what you got. I quit. I, I I put in I put in my papers because that target wasn't reasonable. There was no way I was going to hit it. There was no way I was going to get my variable comp, and uh, it was arbitrary. So it was the opposite of what we're talking about here about getting people's buy-in and making it. Yeah. Uh, good. Okay, so let's move on to some homework. Uh, this is part three of it. And really would like everybody um, who's, who's listening to really think, are you running KPIs and OKRs? That is a lot different from, do I have some numbers and some measures? Right. But, but, but do I really have, are they forward-looking? Are they accretive to my goal? Um, are all those reports that I'm looking at, are they, are they just sort of, are they just sort of table stakes? Are we really running things here? Or is this, is this, or are we really driving behaviors and driving performance? Right. I'm always amazed. I ask my, my CFOs and my, uh, and my uh, controllers, I say, who is the biggest consumer of your reports? And the answer way too often is, well, nobody really reads it. So they're measuring too much and they're not making it consumable. Those aren't KPIs and OKRs. So yeah. how do we, we it's, so does your business, are you really running them? And are they accretive to doing what you're doing? And the same point, what, what, what do they really measure? Right. Uh, I mean, top line revenue, profit, EBITDA, that kind of thing. Great. Got it. Love it. But what about all of those things that you have to do in order to get to revenue? Revenue is at the very bottom. That's the, well, not very bottom, but revenue is, is lower down there. If it does at the very bottom, what are we measuring here? And are we measuring really the right things? If yeah. you also- What sort of story does it tell, right? What, what's yeah. the, and what do we do with it? Yeah. Yeah, ab absolutely. Absolutely. Um, you know, you know, Ken, you and I just recently worked on, on some, on some, uh, some KPI measures and for the revenue part, Remember, you and I broke it down. We started like, what's above the funnel? Yeah. Okay. Well, we get we get that number when that's right. What goes in the funnel? What goes out at the bottom of the funnel? And then what what's that revenue going to look like? Right. Not complicated, but we're measuring the the accretive parts that 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 make uh, that get us to that bottom that close number. Yeah. Uh, another thing, when you're taking a look at your numbers, do you watch the changes? over time. So give an example, Ken was talking about a, a hypothetical with a landscaping company. You got to have 10 proposals a week. You got to close five uh, and, and that will get you going and that will keep you, that will keep you on a steady growth path and, and everything will be great. But if you watch your metrics over time, what if five closes is still the magic number, but now you have to have 15 proposals to do it. Now you have to have 20 proposals to do it. Um, what what's what's happening over time? What 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 is? I don't know the answer per se, but you're watching 
that the change in your KPI in, in your numbers over time, be it KPIs or OKRs, you're watching that change over time that's telling you something. No business will be running, ex will be in 2025, will be running exactly the way they're running right now. No. Yeah. So they're going to be changing and watch. Are you watching how your numbers change? And to that point, the trend is your friend. Um, you know, I recently, I, I worked with a client and uh, at the end of the quarter, we were taking a look at all the numbers and we were killing it on a bunch of the, uh, a bunch of the sales and marketing numbers. They were, they were, they were, they were doing well. So uh, we looked at the trend and we set new targets. We raised the bar right across because, um, you know, that we had been building that machine and the machine had gotten big enough, scalable enough and powerful enough that our prior targets, you know, hey, we're going to add a thousand people to the email list every week. Well, when you're adding when you're adding 2200 week in and week out, that thousand metric is useless. So we saw the trend over time and we the trend is our friend. We know we have to up our game and we have to change things around. So how so you've watched changes over time. What are the trends that you're seeing? That's a really important thing. I advise everybody to do that. And then the last one is, what are the best measures that you track? Everybody loves to track sales. Everybody loves to track revenue. I do too. Uh, but what are the best measures that you can track? So every company is, is tracking dozens. But what are the ones that mean the most to you? What are the ones that really make you feel good? What are the measures that if you were going to be on a, uh, a, a Pacific Island with no internet or self-reception for three weeks, that if a carrier pigeon came to give you five numbers on a little piece of paper, what, what would those be? What would they, what are those, those best measures that you track? And really understand why you feel them as the best measures. So that's a little bit of homework for part three. Um, Ken, any, any closing thoughts? No, no, this is great. Uh, what do you have in store next week after, after everybody goes through and does the homework? So uh, next week, we're going to talk a little bit about organizational management and accountability. So we're going to take a look at how, given the level of where, where we are in the organization, right. what do their accountabilities look like? Because they're very different for the C-suite than they are for, for the, the front line. So that will be next week, and I look forward to it. Awesome. Well, thanks so much, Joshua. I appreciate it as usual. Yeah, my pleasure. Thank you.